0: Okay, sorry, I missed the button in a while. Oh no. (laughs) We're back! For us, it's only been a matter of seconds since we recorded our last one. Welcome back to Oddities, everybody! That's right. I'm Cassie. Welcome!
1: And... I'm Anna. Welcome back to Strange Town. Welcome
0: back to Strange. Oh, I didn't say it on oh, the last one. <laughs> Damn it! All right, welcome back to fucking Strange Town, everybody. Buckle up. So, uh, before I forget, we're on social media. Everything's listed in our description box below. Uh, we are on Patreon. If you would like to donate to our show, you can find us under Oddities Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. How do you spell Oddities? O-D-D-I-T-I-E-S. That's right, and that's also in the description box, as is our email, oddities.talk at gmail.com. If you have any stories you would like to share or topics that you would like us to cover in a future episode or you've listened to an episode and want to share your thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Please, Or you you want to say hi. Yeah, say hi. Stop by, you know. Yeah, we're chatty. That we are. And, uh, okay, that's it. Bye now. Bye. (laughs) Um, yes. So, I would ask you how you're doing, but, like, we already know how... We're both doing, because we just talked about it, but...
1: Yeah, so for everyone that doesn't know, we like to pre-record our episodes. We're doing two episodes back-to-back today, so we literally finished recording one, and now we're recording a new one, so we know how the other one's doing.
0: Baby. Yeah, that's right. So, like... Yeah, we like to have a little, a little cache of episodes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I um I talked about everything that I talked about the Omen. If you listen to last week's episode, you'll hear me complain about the Omen and how stupid I find it because <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. Um, but yeah, and then we talked about I talked about everything I was consuming. This is once again my I would love a sponsorship with HBO because I'm addicted to every single one of your shows. I just started Perry Mason. And I love Lovecraft Country with all my heart and soul.
0: Let's just start tagging HBO and everything. And also Amazon.
1: I have, but I'm, yeah, Amazon and HBO is honestly where I'm consuming all my shit right now.
0: Yeah, I'll tag Netflix while I'm at it. Everybody's getting tagged and everything. I don't give a shit anymore. We want a sponsorship. Knock, knock. It's us.
1: It's us, bitches. I don't, I can't remember the, oh, I was rewatching Dairy Girls the other night because I needed a laugh. Dairy that's, Girls?
0: Yeah. As in, like, milk dairy? No, no,
1: like D-E-R-R-Y. Oh,
0: it's, oh, okay. It's a
1: little town in in Ireland. I don't know if it's a little. Sorry, Ireland. But there, sorry, Ireland. It's, it's one of the funniest shows I've seen in a really long time.
0: That's cool. Um, and that's on Netflix.
1: Hashtag Netflix.
0: Hashtag Netflix. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag we'd like to be. Um... I was sharing a funny story with Anna before we started recording again and now I'm gonna share it all with you uh, so for quite a while now my computer's been acting up as in very very slow as in it would take 10 minutes for the internet to open up as in really really really, really as in it took
1: a full four and a half hours for you to update. I mean, if you've been listening to Oddities long long enough, you know that we struggle with technology occasionally.
0: Yeah, you know the relationship. So plot twist, the other day I decided, hey, my recycling bin, you know, I haven't emptied that in a while. I think I'll do that. Turns out I had 30,000 items in my (laughs) recycling bin. (laughs) And so now my computer is much faster, everybody, and it's it's much smoother.
1: I just can't get over that your computer's just like
0: ah! It took it took ten minutes to empty. <laughs> the poor thing! All this time I've been so angry at my laptop, and it's a really nice laptop, and there was and it was like no reason that it should have been doing that. And so then when I discovered the 30,000 items, I thought, oh my god, I did this to myself.
1: (laughs) You poor angel, you've been struggling silently for so long.
0: You poor thing, I finally heard your cries, and so that, that happened.
1: (laughs) That fucking kills me.
0: And so that was that. Um... Wow, nice short intro for you, isn't that like a nice change of pace, everybody? (laughs) I know Uh, it it won't last long. Don't worry. (laughs) No, everybody, shut up! It's coming back next week. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, let's get started, shall we? And prior to recording, we deemed that I would start this episode. Yeah. All right, everybody. Everybody. Wash your hands, everybody, and buckle up. I don't know why I said wash your hands, but do that anyway because everybody wash your
1: hands and wear your your masks.
0: And wear your masks. Anyway, today, folks, I am telling you about Jack the Ripper. I'm so excited. Wa-na-na.
1: I know very basic knowledge
0: about Jack the Ripper. And he's not called Jack the Ripper because he ripped his pants. Mmm. (laughs) And it just goes, "Mm." (laughs) mmm. Okay, Jack the Ripper was a dickhead. Yes. And also an unidentified serial killer active in the largely impoverished areas around the Whitechapel district of London in 1888. Um, in criminal case files and contemporary journalistic accounts, the killer was known as the Whitechapel murderer and also leather apron.
1: Uh, no, enough of that. I, I, ha- I hate that. that.
0: I hate leather apron. What is that? That's what is That's stupid. That All sounds right.
1: so uncomfortable.
0: Um, Attacks that were generally chalked up to Jack the Ripper um, typically involved female prostitutes who lived and worked in the slums of the East End of London. um, And their throats were cut prior to abdominal mutilations, including the removal of internal organs from at least three of the victims. um, And that led to proposals that the killer had some kind of anatomical or surgical knowledge. Although, I don't know, we'll get into that. (laughs) <laughs> Rumors that the murders <laughs> were connected intensified in September and October of 1888, and numerous letters were received by media outlets and Scotland Yard from individuals claiming to be the murderer. Very zodiac. Very. Okay. Uh, The name Jack the Ripper originated in a letter written by an individual claiming to be the murderer, and the letter was disseminated in the media. The letter is widely believed to have been a hoax and may have written by journalists in an attempt to heighten interest in the story and increase newspaper circulation. Hmm. Um, There was another letter called the From Hell Letter, received by somebody named George Lusk of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, and it came with half of a preserved human kidney reportedly taken from one of the victims so that's what? disturbing how would you like to get a letter in the mail and all of a sudden there's half of a fucking kidney in there also what the hell does a kidney look like well like the beans actually that's the shape oh does it yes is it how how big are we talking here they are not the size of beans
1: no <laughs> no all... i mean i can tell you that much. <laughs> but is it bigger than an average
0: hand you know i don't know i would say maybe it's like the size of a hand hmm. i don't know I I have many degrees, but a medical degree is not one of them. I know, and I just always assume you know shit like this. <laughs> I love you for that, but I don't. I couldn't tell you. They are, like I said, not the size of a bean. Uh, I think if I were to guess, they'd probably be about the size of a hand. But I could be wrong. Don't quote me, everybody. Can you everybody, imagine
1: getting that in a in a package, I'd be like, what the fuck? What fresh hell is this? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, the public became increasingly. Uh, like, more aware of this killer known as Jack the Ripper, mainly because of both the extraordinarily brutal nature of the murders and also high media coverage. So, shall we dive in? Dive in. Okay. So, um a little background. Basically, there was a police investigation into a series of 11 brutal murders committed in Whitechapel and Spitalfields. Spitalfields? Stupid. Either
1: way, stupid.
0: Between, yep, 1888 and 1891, um, they couldn't conclusively connect all of the killings to the 1888 murders, but five victims, Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly, are known as the Canonical Five, and their murders between August 31st and November 9th, 1888, are often considered the most likely to be linked. Uh, They were never solved, and... The legends surrounding these crimes became a combination of genuine historical research, folklore, and pseudo-history. So, in the mid-19th century, British experienced... British. Britain experienced an influx of Irish immigrants. Um, The populations in the cities, like the major cities, exploded, including the east end of London. Um, In 1882, uh, Jewish refugees were fleeing pogroms in Tsarist Russia and other areas of Eastern Europe. They emigrated to the same area. The parish of Whitechapel in London's East End became increasingly overcrowded, with the population increasing to about 80,000 inhabitants by 1888. Um, Work and housing conditions worsened and a significant economic underclass developed in this area. Yikes. 55% of children born in the East End um, died before they were five years old. Robbery, violence, and alcohol dependency were commonplace, and the endemic poverty drove many women to prostitution in order to survive. Um, In 1888, let's see, October, London's Metropolitan Police Service estimated that there were 62 brothels and 1,200 women working as prostitutes in Whitechapel alone, with approximately 8,500 people residing in the 233 common lodging houses. The economic problems in Whitechapel were accompanied by a steady rise in social tensions. It, between 1886 and 1889, frequent demonstrations led to police intervention and public unrest. Um, there was heavy anti-Semitism, crime, nativism, racism, social disturbance, and severe deprivation uh, that influenced public perceptions that Whitechapel was a notorious den of immorality. And such perceptions were strengthened in the autumn of 1888, after the murders. Yikes. Yeah, ex- so it was a shit show right we had a lot going on and these poor people were trying to come to london for a better life and then the shit hit the fan for everybody so and
1: then they have motherfuckers being like look at them
0: yeah then they had fucking people being dickheads on top of it okay right the moidas here we go here we are the large number of attacks against women in the east end during this time adds uncertainty to how many victims were actually murdered by the same individual oh boy yep Um, There were, like I said before, 11 separate murders stretching from April 3rd, 1888 to February 13th, 1891, and they were included in a London Metropolitan Police Service investigation and were known collectively in the police docket as the Whitechapel murders. Um, Opinions vary as to whether these murders should all be linked to the same person, but like I said, the canonical five pretty much undoubtedly were from the same person. Um, And they are widely believed to be the work of Jack the Ripper. Most experts point to deep slash wounds in the throat, followed by extensive abdominal and genitalia area area mutilation. The the removal of internal organs and progressive facial mutilations as the distinctive features of the Ripper's modus operandi. So he's just just wrecking
1: every part of their body. He just
0: fucking fucked these poor women up. So the first two cases in the Whitechapel murders file, Moida's file, are those of Emma Elizabeth Smith and Martha Tabram, but they are not included in the canonical five. Um, Smith was robbed and sexually assaulted on Osborne Street uh, in Whitechapel at 1.30 a.m. on April 3rd. She had been bludgeoned about the face and received a cut to her ear. A blunt object was also inserted into her vagina, rupturing her peritoneum. She developed a peritonitis and died the following day. What what is stated, What? What's peritonitis? Uh, I think it's just like like an infection of the area, but I'm not sure. Okay. Again, one of the things I don't know. I know, sorry. (laughs) No, it's fine. I should have looked it up. (laughs) So uh, she stated that she had been attacked by two or three men, one of whom she described as a teenager, and this attack was linked to later murders by the press, but most authors attribute her murder to general East End gang violence not the Ripper case. Mm. Tabram, the other woman, was murdered on a staircase. um, August 7th, she suffered 39 stab wounds to her throat, lungs, heart, liver, spleen, stomach, and abdomen with additional knife wounds inflicted to her breast and vagina. All but one of her wounds had been inflicted with a bladed instrument like a pen knife and one possible exception um, and all the wounds had been inflicted by a right-handed individual. Uh, She had not been raped. Um, The savagery of this murder and lack of an obvious motive and the closeness of the location and date to the later canonical five lead police to more closely link this murder to those committed by Jack the Ripper. Right. Uh, But she had been repeatedly stabbed and had not suffered any slash wounds to her throat or abdomen, which makes her different from the others. So here come the five. All right, so as stated, that's Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. Sorry, my blinds are freaking out. (laughs) Ghosts. Um, Mary Ann Nichols was discovered at 3.40 a.m. Friday, August 31st, 1888 in Bucks Row, uh, Whitechapel. She had last been seen alive about an hour before the discovery of her body, by a mrs emily holland with whom she had previously shared a bed at a common lodging house and she was walking in the direction of Whitechapel road her throat was severed by two cuts one of which completely severed all the tissue down to the vertebrae uh so that's serious there's a there's a lot to get through before you get there Um, and the lower part of her abdomen was partly ripped open by a deep jagged wound Several other incisions inflicted to the right side of her abdomen had also been caused by the same knife. Each had been inflected in a downward thrusting manner. A week later, Saturday, September 8th, the body of Annie Chapman was discovered um, at about 6 a.m. near the steps to the doorway of the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street. Um, Just like Marianne Nichols, the throat was severed by two deep cuts— Her abdomen had been cut entirely open, with a section of the flesh from her stomach being placed upon her left shoulder, and another section of skin and flesh, plus her small intestines, being removed and placed above her right shoulder. Which, this this becomes, like, common, you'll see. Right. Um, Her autopsy also revealed that her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed. Ugh. At the inquest into her murder, um, Elizabeth Long described having seen Chapman standing outside 29 Hanbury Street at 5.30 a.m. in the company of a dark-haired man wearing a brown stalker hat and dark overcoat and of a shabby genteel appearance. According to this eyewitness, the man asked Chapman the question, will you, in which Chapman had replied, yes. I don't know what that means. Right. I don't what know does what. What that What does that mean? But I don't know. Um... Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes were both killed in the early morning hours of Sunday, September 30th, 1888. Stride's body was discovered at 1 a.m. in Dutefield's Yard in Whitechapel, the cause of death being a single clear-cut incision measuring six inches across her neck, which had severed her left carotid artery and her trachea before terminating beneath her right jaw. So kind of like a this motion. Right. Um... The absence of any further mutilations to her body has led to uncertainty as to whether this was Jack the Ripper or not, because they think maybe he might have been interrupted or I don't know. Several witnesses later informed police that they had seen stride in the company of a man um, in or close to Burner Street on the evening of September 29th and in the early hours of September 30th, but each gave differing descriptions of him. Some saying that he was uh, fair, others said he was dark, some said that he was shabbily dressed, others said he was well-dressed, so we're, like, we're across the map on that guy. Well,
1: why wouldn't he, if he could, change up his appearance in some way?
0: Yeah, right, like, maybe, I don't know, put on a different coat, or, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, Edo's body was found in Mitre Square, in the city of London, 45 minutes after the discovery of Elizabeth Stride her throat was severed and her abdomen was ripped open a long deep and jagged wound before her intestines and was placed over her right shoulder the left kidney and a major part of the uterus had been removed her face had been disfigured her nose severed her cheek slashed and cuts measuring a quarter of an inch and a half inch respectively vertically incised through each of her uh, eyelids Um, a triangular incision the apex which pointed towards her eye had also been carved in each cheek And a section of the oracle and lobe of her right ear was later recovered from her clothing. Um, the police surgeon who conducted the post-mortem examination of her body stated his opinion that these mutilations would have taken at least five minutes alone to complete. Um, a local salesman named Joseph had passed through the square with two friends shortly before the murder, described seeing a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman who may have been Edo's. Um... The salesman's companions were unable to confirm this description, though. Uh, And the murders of Stride and Eddowes ultimately became known as the Double Event. Oh my god, those Um, poor angels. I know. A section of Eddowes' bloodied apron was found at the entrance to a tenement in Galston Street, Whitechapel, at 2.55 a.m. A chalk inscription upon the wall directly above this piece of apron read, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. Quote, This graffito became known as the Galston Street Graffito, which is apparently the singular of graffiti. Who knew?
1: I didn't know that.
0: Um, The message appeared to imply that a Jew or Jews in general were were responsible for the series of murders, but it's unclear whether this was written by the murderer on dropping the section of the apron or if it was incidental and had nothing to do with the case. Frankly, I think it has nothing to do with the case at all because there was just like this high amounts of anti-semitism and everything else right. going on. I think it was just, I think they're independent. So the extensively mutilated and disemboweled body of Mary Jane Kelly was discovered lying on the bed in a single room where she lived at 13 Miller's court, um, at 10:45 AM, uh, Friday, November 9th. So we had a little bit of a break there between the two, uh, her face had been hacked beyond all recognition with her throat severed down to the spine and the abdomen almost emptied of its organs. Her uterus, kidneys, and one breast had been placed beneath her head and other viscera from her body placed beside her foot um, about the bed and sections of her abdomen um, and thighs upon a bedside table and the heart was missing from the crime scene. So she was just like, I mean, totally just
1: uh, all over the place.
0: Yeah, I mean. So each of the canonical five murders was perpetrated at night on or close to a weekend because apparently Jack the Ripper had a job during the week.
1: Yeah, day job. (laughs)
0: i don't know yeah he had he had other things to do in there in the week apparently right right. either at the end of a month or a week or so after that um the mutilations became increasingly severe except for that of stride uh whose attacker may have been interrupted um nichols was not missing any organs chapman's uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina were taken eddo's and her uterus and left kidney removed and her face mutilated and then kelly's body just totally jacked up god I know. Historically, it's believed that these five murders were committed by the same perpetrator, uh, and that's derived from contemporary documents which link them together. Uh, some researchers have said that some of the murders were undoubtedly the work of a single killer, um, but an unknown larger number of killers uh, could have acted independently and were responsible for the other crimes, basically as like copycat killers, pretty much. Right. It's said that dr percy clark who was assistant to the examining pathologist george bagster phillips linked only three of the murders and thought that the others were perpetrated by weak-minded individuals induced to emulate the crime um like i said there were other murders later on but like i'm not really going to get into them because i think to me they're they're like so different that right they just it, it, they don't make sense to me like one of them was like she was strangled um Which is another, not his MO. Right at all. Like another one had two stab wounds to the neck, um, and her carotid had been severed, but there were like minor bruises and cuts on her body, there was like a seven inch long superficial wound. Like it's not the same right. Like this guy like had a very distinct signature, I guess. Yeah, and he yeah, clearly like clearly
1: had a plan going in.
0: Yeah, they also found what they refer to as the Pynchon Street torso, which is terrible which was a decomposing headless and legless torso of an unidentified woman aged between 30 and 40. Oh my um God. like he didn't do that. He, like I don't know. Um and like the ones that were earlier like I I wouldn't tie those in because like Jack the Ripper he didn't like he wasn't like a rapist. He just like killed them and like mutilated them. He didn't you know. But then like, he
1: took their But then he took parts of and them. uterus and shit.
0: He did take parts of them. So yeah, I don't know, but like there would still be like s- probably some superficial damage and things like that if it was the case. So I think that those the first two that I talked about I don't know that I necessarily think that that was him. Like for, for sure those five that they cover I think.
1: Yeah because they seem so specific in their pattern. Yeah
0: right. In addition to 11 Whitechapel murders commentators have also linked other attacks to Jack the Ripper. There's one called The Case of the Fairy Fay, and it's unclear whether this attack was real or fabricated as part of lore surrounding jack the ripper um fairy Fay was a nickname given to an unidentified woman whose body was allegedly found in a doorway close to commercial road december 26th 1887 um a stake had gone through her abdomen but again that doesn't like some of these just don't god that one's the the headless legless one is horrible yeah that one's super fucked up so all right let's talk about the investigation a little bit um, the vast majority of the city of London police files relating to their investigation um, surrounding the Whitechapel murders uh, was, of course, destroyed in the Blitz. So, there goes that. There's that. The surviving Metropolitan Police files allow a detailed view of investigative procedures in the Victorian era, a.k.a. they were terrible. <laughs> Just saying. Spoiler <laughs> alert, everybody. It's like that. Um, Do
1: you listen to John Mullaney? No. No that john mulaney his joke is that anyone before dna basically or anyone during that time period he's like what were they doing back then they're like sir we found this blood on the floor he's like
0: gross clean it up now back to my hunch (laughs) i mean that's basically yeah i mean pretty much exactly um suspects were identified traced and either examined more closely or eliminated from inquiry Modern police work follows, I guess, a similar pattern, but more than 2,000 people were interviewed. Upwards of 300 people were fully investigated, and 80 people were detained for these murders. These Moidas. These Moidas. Following the Moidas of Stride and Eddowes, the Commissioner of the City of Police... Nope. Commissioner of the City Police. (laughs) Not the City of Police. (laughs) Uh, offered a reward of 500 pounds for the arrest of the Ripper. The investigation was initially conducted by the Metropolitan Police Whitechapel Division of Criminal Investigation Department, headed by Detective Inspector Edmund Reed. After the murder of Nichols, uh, Detective Inspectors Frederick Aberline, Henry Moore, and Walter Andrews were sent from the Central Office at Scotland Yard to assist. Um, City of London police were involved under Detective Inspector James McWilliam after the Eddowes murder, which occurred within the city of London. Um, the overall direction of the murder inquiries were... It was hampered by the fact that the newly appointed head of the CID, Robert Anderson, was on leave in Switzerland. Oh, see ya. It's like, dude, come on. But whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, T- taking a vacation at a terrible time, pal. Yeah, for sure. Butchers, slaughterers, surgeons, and physicians were suspected because of the manner of the mutilations... Um, a surviving I'd lean note... more
1: towards butcher, but yeah.
0: Yeah. A surviving note from Major Henry Smith, acting commissioner of the city police, indicates that the alibis of local butchers and slaughterers were investigated with the result that they were eliminated from the inquiry. Why? From... I guess they all had alibis for all of these oh, murders. Uh,
1: all of these people?
0: I... All of these people, I guess. Um, a report from Inspector Swanson to the Home Office confirms that 76 butchers and slaughterers were visited, and that the inquiry encompassed all of their employees for the previous six months. Um,
1: Either they're really overstating this, or they were incredibly thorough. And somehow, <laughs> I feel like they weren't incredibly thorough.
0: Yeah, I feel like that the the latter is not the case. So... Uh, they did do some, like, criminal profiling. They asked police surgeon Thomas Bond to give his opinion on the extent of the murderer's surgical skill and knowledge. Um, he said that the character of the Whitechapel murderer is the, uh, or he didn't say this. This is just a side note. The, the character of the Whitechapel murderer is the earliest surviving offender profile. Um, his assessment was based on his own examination of the most extensively mutilated victim, Uh, And the post-mortem notes from the four, the other four canonical murders. And he said, quote, All five murders, no doubt, were committed by the same hand. In the first four, the throats appear to have been cut from left to right. In the last case, owing to the extensive mutilation, it is impossible to say in what direction the fatal cut was made. But arterial blood was found on the wall in splashes close to where the woman's head must have been lying. Um, All the circumstances surrounding the murders lead me to form the opinion that the women must have been lying down when murdered, and in every case, the throat was first cut. Um, He was strongly opposed to the idea that the murderer possessed any kind of scientific or anatomical knowledge, or even the technical knowledge of a butcher or horse slaughterer. Hmm. In his opinion, the killer must have been a man of solitary habits, subject to periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania. With the character of the mutilations possibly indicating satiriasis, which I don't know what that is. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna pretend like I know what that is. (laughs) Um, But Bond also stated that the homicidal impulse must have been developed from a revengeful or brooding condition of the mind, or that religious mania may have been the original disease, but I do not think either hypothesis is likely. Uh, oh. There is no evidence that the perpetrator engaged in sexual activities with any of the victims, yet psychologists suppose that the penetration of the victims with a knife and leaving them on display in sexually degrading positions with the wounds exposed indicates that the perpetrator derived sexual pleasure from the attacks. This view is challenged by others who dismiss such hypotheses as insupportable supposition. I don't know, I mean, I think I could kind of get behind that.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's the Yeah, uh, yeah it's the humiliation thing that's...
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Um in addition to contradictions and unreliability of contemporary accounts attempts to identify the murderer are hampered by the lack of surviving forensic evidence Um, DNA analysis on extant letters is inconclusive Um, available material that has been handled so many times is too contaminated to provide meaningful results so basically we got nothing we got shit yeah so there are some, some suggestions as to who this could be and in fact, when I was researching this, like, the list of potential suspects was fucking humongous. I mean, huge. So I tried to boil it down to some, some possible ones that I thought, but there were, like, a lot. So, the concentration of the killings around weekends and public holidays and within a short distance of each other indicated to a lot of people that the Ripper was in regular employment and lived locally. Um, Others thought that the killer was an educated upper-class man, possibly a doctor or an aristocrat, um, who ventured into Whitechapel from a more well-to-do area. Mm. Uh, Such theories draw on cultural perceptions like the fear of the medical profession, mistrust of modern science, or the exploitation of the poor by the rich. Uh, Suspects proposed, like, a bunch of years after the murders, include virtually uh, anyone remotely connected to the case, which is why there are so many of them. So, let's see. One of them is Montague John Druitt. He he was a Dorset-born barrister who worked to supplement his income as an assistant schoolmaster uh, until his dismissal shortly before his suicide by drowning in 1888. His decomposed body was found floating in the Thames near Chiswick on December 31st, 1888. Uh, Some modern authors suggest that Druitt may have been dismissed because he was a homosexual and that this could have driven him to commit suicide. However, his mother and his grandmother suffered uh, mental health issues and it is possible that he was dismissed because of an underlying hereditary psychiatric illness. His Mm. death shortly after the last canonical murder, which took place on November 9th, led Assistant Chief Constable Sir Melville McNaughton to name him as a suspect. However... He incor- incorrectly described the 31-year-old barrister as a 41-year-old doctor. So, big oops there. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. Um, and on September 1st, the day after the first canonical murder, Drewitt was in Dorset playing cricket, and most experts now believe that the killer was local to Whitechapel. So he's been pretty much, like, removed. Cleared. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's Suwerin Claus... Kla- Klosowski. Yep, perfect. Jesus. Got it. Nailed it. Yep. Mm-hmm. His alias was George Chapman. No relation to victim Annie Chapman. Um, he was born in Congress, Poland, but emigrated to the United Kingdom between 1887 and 1888, shortly before the start of the Mar- of the Moidas. Um, between 1893 and 1894, he assumed the name of Chapman. He successfully poisoned three of his wives and became known as the Borough Poisoner. Well, and, ha- and then he was hanged for his crimes in 1903. Uh, At the time of the Ripper murders, he lived in Whitechapel. He had been working as a barber. Um, According to H.L. Adam, who wrote a book on the poisonings in 1930, this guy was, like, Inspector Frederick Aberleen's favorite suspect. Uh, However, others disagree that he's a likely culprit, as he murdered his three wives with poison. So this, like, doesn't, again, fit the bill.
1: Right, it seems like poison was his shit.
0: Yeah, poison was his jam, not, like, slashing. So... Aaron Kozminski uh was a, a um, Polish Jewish man who was admitted to Colney Hatch Lunatic Asylum in 1891. Um he was named a suspect in 1894 uh and basically he wrote that this guy had been identified as the Ripper but no pr- prosecution was possible because the witness um was also Jewish and refused to testify against a fellow Jew. Some authors are skeptical of this, while others use it in their theories. Um, he stated that no one was ever identified as the Ripper, which directly contradicts um, a different person's recollection. So this guy is just like all over the board, but this guy was known to be like um, like highly paranoid. He would like, he, he had this, like, um, he suffered auditory hallucinations and he, he participated in like self abuse. Uh, but he, they say that it's very likely that somebody like him would have openly boasted of the murders while incarcerated if he had been the killer and mm-hmm. he did not. I don't know. That one seems again, like a little funny to me. Um, Michael, I Oestrogue.
1: also, I, yeah? I, I just think it's interesting that so far all these people have kind of undesirable traits, undesirable yep. in air quotes. The first one yeah. they think is gay. The second one's yep. an immigrant. This guy's a right. Jew. Yep. You I, know, know, I like, feel
0: like the police were just pinpointing, you know.
1: Yeah, they were just like, oh, this guy lived there around that time, and we don't like what his religion is or what he does or who he bangs.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Um, this guy, My, Michael Ostrog, was a Russian-born professional con man and thief. He had <laughs> a lot fan. of aliases and titles. Big fan. Um, Among his many dubious claims was that he had once been a surgeon in the Russian Navy. Uh, He was mentioned as a suspect by McNaughton, who joined the case in 1889, the year after the Canonical Five, Uh, but researchers have failed to find evidence that he committed any crimes more serious than, like, fraud or theft. John Pizer was a Polish Jew who worked as a bootmaker in Whitechapel. In the early days of the Whitechapel murders, many locals suspected that Leather Apron was the killer. Which was picked up by the press, and Pizer was known as Leather Apron. He had a prior oh. conviction for a stabbing offense, and police sergeant William Thick apparently believed that he had committed a string of minor assaults on prostitutes in the past. After the murders of Marianne Nichols and Annie Chapman in late August and early September, Thick arrested Pizer on September 10th, even though the investigating inspector reported that there's no evidence whatsoever against him. And then he was cleared of suspicion when it turned out that he had alibis for two of the murders. Because at first I thought, oh, this guy could be a possibility because of the whole April thing or whatever else, but yeah. Um, There's, let's see, James Thomas Sadler. uh, He was a friend of Francis Coles, who was the last victim added to the Whitechapel murders file. Uh, Coles was killed with a wound to the throat on February 13th, 1891. Sadler was arrested, but little evidence was held against him. He was also at sea at the time of the first four canonical murders.
1: So it definitely isn't him.
0: So definitely not him. I mean there's this there's like one other guy, Francis Tumblety. He (laughs) earned a he earned a fortune posing as an Indian herb doctor throughout the United States and Canada and was commonly perceived as a misogynist and a quack. (laughs) Love that. Love that. He was connected to the death of one of his patients, but escaped prosecution. In eighteen sixty five he was arrested for alleged complicity in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. But no connection was found. And he was released without being charged. (laughs) He was in England in 1888 and arrested on November 7th for apparently engaging in homosexual acts, which were illegal at the time. It was reported by some of his friends that he showed off a collection of matrices, or wombs, from every class of woman at around this time. Awaiting trial, he fled to France and then to the United States. And already notorious in the States for his self-promotion and previous criminal charges... His arrest was reported as connected to the Ripper murders. Um, American reports that Scotland Yard tried to extradite him were not confirmed by the British press or the London police, and the New York City police said there is no proof of his complicity in the Whitechapel murders. That guy seems a little fishy to me.
1: That guy is very fishy. I will agree that that guy is very
0: fishy. He's got like a collection of wombs. And that he fled. Yeah, and then, I mean, the press put forth, like, a bunch of possibilities. I mean, there was just, this was just, like, a fucking shit show. They've got a duke on here. I mean, the list is absolutely massive. Probably was the duke. I I put my money on the duke. Um, And then, of course, like I mentioned, there were all these letters that were sent in. Um, Some of them were, like, well-intentioned offers of advice on how to catch the killer. (laughs) But most of them were just, like, hoaxes. Um, hundreds of letters claimed to have been written by the killer himself. And basically they just, they covered all kinds of things from, um, like one was the Dear Boss letter, which was dated September 25th and postmarked on the 27th. Uh, it was received that day by a news agency and was forwarded to Scotland Yard. And initially it was considered a hoax, but then when Edo's body was found three days after the letter's postmark with a section of one ear obliquely cut from her body, The promise of the author to, quote, clip the lady's ears off, quote, gained attention. Edo's ear appears to have been nicked by the killer, incidentally, during his attack, and the letter writer's threat to send the ears to the police was never carried out. So, like, they have some strange coincidences in some of the letters, but... Right. I don't know. To me, this is going to be kind of, like, one of the biggest unsolved mysteries of all time. I think so. I mean, and, like, so brutal and so so horrible so horrible so distinct um i mean this guy definitely had a very very clear mo like all those other murders that they're trying to link to him i don't buy um just those five but like that's enough and they were so terrible right and like i said i mean like it became you know common where he had like the piece of the skin over the shoulder he had the like intestines over the other shoulder like it like repeated i don't know the whole thing is just totally fucked up
1: And I think the only really interesting thing that they were talking about is that it was a wealthy person going into a less wealthy area. Yeah. And that idea is interesting to me because they kept describing him in shabby clothes.
0: I know, right. So So it seems
1: specific.
0: Yeah, I mean, and like all the suspects that they had, there were some really outlandish ones. Obviously, a lot of the ones that I read, it's like, no, I don't know. I just think that, i don't know whoever it was they pulled it off I, like part of me believes that it could have been a doctor or a surgeon because like i don't know they like removed the, the exact same things from like several of them and i i don't know like but the other part of me is like yeah but anybody could have just like cut a person open and be like this looks neat and then decided to take right. it from the other ones too it's hard to say the fact that the wounds were super jagged um Right, there wasn't any kind of
1: precision.
0: Yeah, to me indicates that it's not necessarily a doctor or a surgeon. He just went in there
1: and he was like, oh.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, obviously pretty much the throat cuts are what did the women in, You know, and like, pretty much anybody who's anybody has that knowledge. Like, you don't need to be some kind of a specialist to know that if you slit somebody's throat, they're gonna die. They're
1: gonna die, right.
0: So, like, to me... God, I don't know. Like, and and I mean, yeah, they interviewed all those butchers and slaughterers or whatever. But it's like, I I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I think. But they, how been...
1: thoroughly did they do this? They right. they completely misreported a guy's age and his job title.
0: Yeah, this was the 1880s. Nothing was right. They're like jot this well. down.
1: We're going home.
0: Good night, everybody. <laughs> you know, does. Yeah. So, that is Jack the Ripper. There is so much out there about it. If you're interested, I encourage you to read more. Because it's like a... I I spent like two hours on this. And there, I like didn't even scratch the surface.
1: And it's one of those, you know, obviously, we're never going to solve it. It's just the unknown that lasts forever. You got it.
0: So, that's Jack the Ripper. (sighs) Jack the asshole. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got for us today?
1: I have something on a completely different note. Excellent. I'm going to talk about
0: Forrest Fenn's treasure. Definitely thought you were going to say Forrest Gump, so... (laughs) (laughs) No. So a treasure? Like a real treasure? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm ready. Well,
1: we'll talk about that. Okay. Okay. So Forrest Fenn was a pilot in the United States Air Force... He obtained the rank of major, and it was awarded the Silver Star for his service in the Vietnam War, where he Uh flew 328 combat missions in 365 days. Holy shit. That's a fuckload of combat missions. Jesus,
0: in a very short amount of time.
1: Wow, okay. That's, you're barely taking off for weekends. Yeah. So, he retired from the Air Force... And he ran a gallery in Santa Fe, New Mexico with his partner and then with a partner and then with his wife. Oh. The gallery sold a variety of American Indian artifacts, paintings, bronze sculptures, and other art, including forged copies of works by Monet, Degas, and other artists.
0: Oh, good. Okay, great. Forged
1: being the keyword. word there. Yes, right. Uh, the gallery grows $6 million a year. Holy shit. But in 88, Fern was diagnosed with cancer and was told it was terminal. Oh. Due to this, this motherfucker was like, I know what I'm going to do. He decided to hide a treasure chest in an outdoor location with the purpose of creating a public search for it.
0: Hell yeah, that's cool.
1: He also considered using it as his final resting place. In my notes, I wrote, this has Goonie vibes all over it. <laughs> Dude, big Goonie energy. I love the Goonies. One of the greatest movies of all time.
0: Absolutely.
1: So in 2010, he recovers from his illness and self-publishes oh. a memoir called, because he was told it was Terminal, but apparently yeah. he's, he's hanging. Plot twist? Okay. So in 2010, he recovers from his illness and self-publishes a memoir called The Thrill of the Chase, a memoir, which was a bunch of short stories about his life. Love it. In it, he indicates that the chest contains gold nuggets, rare coins, jewelry, and gemstones. He went on to say that he hid the chest, quote, in the mountains somewhere north of Santa Fe.
0: You know what? I think I've read about this guy. This sounds familiar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it just... As I was researching it, it got. I saw that there was an update about it. He says oh. that he left clues in the stories in the book, especially in the poem found in the chapter Golden Moor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Such <laughs> a hilarious chapter name. Which allegedly contains nine clues that will lead a searcher to the chest.
0: Wow. What if he's just making all of this up, though?
1: I got so far into this, and I was like, is this motherfucker making this up? Yeah. So, the book and the story itself prompted a treasure hunt in the Rocky Mountains of New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, and Montana. The value was estimated to be around $2 million, depending on the appraisal of the items. How do they judge that?
0: I don't know, because how can you appraise the items if you haven't seen the items?
1: Also, how can you get that estimation if you don't know what's in it?
0: How, how, right, that's as what far I'm saying. as you
1: know, he could open it. Someone could open it, and it could be, have a, a, a drawing of a guy waving. Like, what do you know you have, in like, there? Like fucking Burger King toys in it. So, apparently, Fer- Fenn claimed to make no money on the sale of the self-published books out of concern for being labeled a fraud by critics. Okay. Which all right. Before yes. this treasure hunt happened. In 2009, the FBI raided Fenn's home in an investigation of artifact looting, and some of the items in his home were confiscated by the authorities, but no charges were ever filed. Okay. So they came into his house and they were like, bro, you took shit. And he was like, no. And they took some shit, but they never filed anything against him.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. So clearly, like, you know how we were just shitting on police work back in, like, 1888? (laughs) okay
1: All right. 2009 here we Federal are bureau of investigation okay so let's let's talk about the chest for a second let's it was said to be a bronze box estimated to be forged in the 12th century
0: wow Ooh! i have
1: to say if i'm making up shit i'm saying it's from the 12th century
0: oh yeah oh yeah
1: According to Fenn, it weighs about 22 pounds and features scenes with knights scaling walls on ladders and maidens throwing flowers. Okay. Okay. Because of the popularity of the hunt, artists have made modern recreations based on Fenn's chest. So, motherfuckers love this guy. And this idea. Oh, yeah. Let's... I'm gonna talk about the people that searched for it and didn't make it. Oh, in 2017, okay. the chief of the New Mexico State Police, Pete Cazetas, publicly implored Fenn to end the treasure hunt, stating, quote, he's putting lives at risk. Oh, geez. Okay. And here's uh, why I, he said that. I don't think this was his
0: intention, though.
1: I don't think so either. And some of these people... Mm, anyway. Okay.
0: In right.
1: January 2016, Randy Bailiu went missing, and his body was discovered by workers along the Rio Grande in July. An autopsy could not determine the cause of death, but his ex-wife declared that she thought that the whole thing was a hoax, despite that he wanted to find the treasure.
0: Uh, okay.
1: In June 2017, Jeff Murphy was found dead in Yellowstone National Park after falling 500 feet down a steep slope. A television station reported that his wife said that he was looking for the treasure when he went missing. Jesus. So I just want to say that all of these deaths are very sad because they're... People being robbed of their lives, yeah, but I also feel like Jesus Christ, you're this desperately looking for treasure, bro,
0: yeah, like come on,
1: so again in june twenty seventeen Pastor Paris Wallace told family members that he was searching for buried treasure and failed to show up for a family meeting. His oh. car was found parked near the Taos Junction bridge, and his body was found five to seven miles downstream along the Rio Grande,
0: okay. They're all hanging out at the Rio Grande. That also
1: sounds sketchy to me. Yes. That doesn't sound like he's looking for anything. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah. In July 2017, Eric Ashby was found dead in Colorado's Arkansas River and friends and family stated that he had moved to Colorado to find the treasure. That's dedication. That's
0: a lot.
1: He was last seen rafting on the river 10 to 15 miles upstream from where his body was found. Okay. In March 2020, so before the pandemic hit. Just slightly pre pandemic. Right. Barely a breath away from being the pandemic. Michael Wayne Sexon was found dead near Dinosaur National Monument along the Utah Colorado border by rescuers, along with his unnamed companion, who later recovered in the hospital. Well. Which, oof, gotta carry that shit with you your whole life. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be a heavy... Yeah, right. So, there's been a ton of controversy around the people who are looking for the treasure. An unidentified searcher was arrested in New Mexico in 2013 and charged with damaging a cultural artifact. He's literally digging shit up. People were like, you can't... No. You can't
0: do that, yeah.
1: Daryl... Seller and Christy Strawn were detained by park rangers in Yellowstone National Park in April, 2014 because they were digging and using a metal detector in the park. Enough, enough. Stop. Yeah. Robert Miller. This one's my favorite one. This one's going to make me laugh. Sorry. Robert Miller was arrested for breaking and entering burglary and criminal damage to property in October, 2018 when he broke into Fenn's property And hauled away a chest he thought was the treasure. (laughs)
0: Oops.
1: (laughs) This motherfucker friend was like, I want people to look for a treasure. And Robert Miller was like, I hear you. I'm coming to your house. (laughs) Knock, knock. I'll bring the chips and salsa. (laughs) (laughs) Which I will say, I think that this is an interesting idea. However, people are crazy. People are too crazy for this. You have to assume that you're going to get wild people like this. People are going to be doing stupid shit and they're going to die. Like, come on, man.
0: Yeah, people are too insane. for. Like, I love, love the concept. But people are too fucked. They're too fucked up. And it's a very good movie concept.
1: Reality? Oh, yeah. Not so
0: much. No, no. No. So it's just like, uh. I mean, how I... he had to have known that shit like this would happen. I think so. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, David Christensen had to be rescued by Yellowstone Park Rangers after he attempted to repel over 850 feet. He was ordered uh. to spend a week in jail and pay rescue costs of over $4,000, as well as earning a five-year ban from the park. Good. <laughs> Despite that Fenn insisted no climbing was involved, Christensen remained adamant that his solution was correct. You're a dumbass, sir.
0: Dude. He's literally being like, guys, don't do that. Don't climb. So Christensen's rappelling in
1: Yellowstone National Park.
0: (laughs) And here we are. Oh, my God. And, like, this is a national park. Yeah, how are you just going to (sighs) fucking...
1: Like, stop, stop it, stop it. We're trying to save our parks. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, stop rappelling down them.
1: So, David Harold Hansen filed a lawsuit against Forrest Fenn, alleging that he made fraudulent claims and deceived searchers. Okay. Although he attempted to reopen the case, the case remains closed. Yeah. And, and now... And nobody... Oh, yeah, what's the update? Now we smash cut to June 6, 2020. Oh, in the middle
0: of the pandemic.
1: In the middle of all this... Fen posted on the searcher blog, The Thrill of the Chase, that the treasure had been found. The end? The, the, it's been oh, found? No. It's been found. He claimed that he had not moved it in ten years, and that the poem in the book led the person to the re- precise spot, which is exactly what he said it would do.
0: Where is? Where, where?
1: The finder sent Fen a photograph, and the identity of the finder, the photograph, and the location of the treasure have not been revealed.
0: No! Really? (laughs) How are you going to go and find this shit and not fucking... Oh my god, my ass would put this shit on blast. Fenn released further photos
1: on the Thrill of the Chase blog site, including of himself examining the contents of the chest and one of it sitting in weathered condition on or near the site where it was found.
0: Okay, but like, how do we know... I mean, he sold fraudulent shit like forgeries, so how do we know that all this shit isn't bullshit? Right. That he has in his chest.
1: On July 22nd, 2020, Fenn further stated on the blog that the treasure's finder had authorized him to disclose that it had been hidden in Wyoming.
0: Wyoming? Why? Wyoming. Okay. Wyoming. Yeah. I, wow.
1: Okay. And that's my info on Forrest Fenn's treasure. I don't wow. buy it.
0: You don't buy it? Not really. What don't you... I think he's full of shit. You don't think anybody found it? I don't think it was ever out there. Oh, you think he was just like playing this game and then he's just now he's just like posting up some fake photographs.
1: I think it got him a lot of attention, which it sounds like is what he wanted. Yeah. But then I guess if if he really hadn't done it, he would have never had anyone find it, quote unquote.
0: Yeah, but see, we don't even know that anybody did find it because right. they're like the name and the, and their, and everything else is all concealed. Wow. Which, why, if you had found treasure, would yeah. you not be like, look at me? Well, it's also like for the same reason, though, that if I won the lottery, I wouldn't tell anybody.
1: Well, yeah, and I understand that, but this isn't winning the lottery. You found I mean, I guess that's No, this isn't, this isn't like $250 million. It's probably fake coins. Have they bit
0: into any of them? Are they chocolate? <laughs> yeah, are they chocolate? Are they those like plastic pirate coins that you can get at the dollar store? <laughs> especially because he has such
1: a sketchy past.
0: Yeah, right? With his fucking forgeries that he's selling and his shit. I don't know.
1: And the fact that the FBI was like, we think you might have just looted an area that didn't belong to you. And they, obviously they had enough information to come into his house. Yeah. Which, I don't know that much about the FBI, but I think you still need a warrant.
0: Pretty sure you do, yeah. I, uh, wow, I don't, yeah. I don't know,
1: I I can't make heads or tails of it. It's too hidden in obscurity for me.
0: I just, if you were the person that found Forrest Fenn's treasure after all this time... I would absolutely, I would absolutely say something, or I would, like, sell my story to a magazine or something for money.
1: Yeah, or just send in something anonymously.
0: Yeah, right. Like, why? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, maybe the finder was, in fact, the person who buried it in the first place. Right. Or my
1: other thing is... Was this person looking for it, or did they just find a chest, and, and they just were like, like,
0: oops, here I am in Wyoming, oh, look, I found this 12th century chest, like,
1: they were like, did anyone also, bury a 12th century chest with Burger King toys inside? <laughs>
0: where did this, where did this guy get a 12th century chest if he was busy selling dig-off forgeries and shit?
1: And was it unlocked? I what if there know. were just animals living in it? Like, animals oh. had eaten through the
0: bottom, and they were like, this is our house now. <laughs> This is my home. You're just disrupting it. Yeah, I just don't open the (laughs) blinds. We like the dark. I just feel like, yeah, it just just
1: seems like a little bit of horse crap to me.
0: There's just something
1: about it that's too fishy. That I'm like, this doesn't seem real.
0: Yeah. Now, if there was like, I don't know, some like some like eccentric billionaire collector. Mm. Who, like, one day in his old age was like, I want to put forth a treasure hunt for the world or whatever. I would buy that more than this shit. Yeah. And I also, I'm not
1: trying to be a dick here. I'm just saying, if he did that many missions during Vietnam, he's, there's there's something going on upstairs. Oh, Yeah there's there's something happening there that, and maybe he's dealing with it, which is fine, but I just feel like this seems like such a bizarre thing to be Gosh. happening, and then for yeah. him to have the background that he does, completed yeah. with Vietnam and the forgeries. Yeah, I don't know. I think
0: Forrest is a fishy guy. He sounds a little fish city. he does. But if you're listening, Forrest, let let us know. know. Give us a call, would you? Yeah. Oh, my God. I should have looked at that that blog. Yeah, let's write to him. Be like, hey, we feature you on our podcast. And then we talk a lot of shit.
1: Yeah, I talk a lot (laughs) of shit.
0: (laughs) That's a really cool topic, though. I do remember reading about this at one point a few years back. I think just um, maybe on like, I don't know, maybe on like MSN or Yahoo or like, I don't know. It just like came up. Right. And I'd be like, "Oh, this is interesting, and I remember reading about this guy. they what a fu- it
1: on the the website it says, "The chest has been found. The treasure has been found. It was under a canopy of stars in the lush forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains and had not moved from the spot where I hid it more than ten years ago. I do not know the person who found it, but the poem in my book led him to the precise spot, and then right underneath, can everyone shut the fuck up, please and everyone right shut under- up. It says, Forrest Fenn's newest book is now available.
0: Ooh! Okay. Okay, there's a little plug for Forrest's new book. So the search is over. Mm, wow. Well, well, good night. Put that also, in the
1: middle of a pandemic, when no one's going anywhere.
0: Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know, Forrest! Forrest, were you in Wyoming under the fucking canopy of stars? Did you just go back and get it, so
1: you hope your chocolate hadn't melted...
0: Yeah, I want to read this poem that supposedly led the person right to it. I know. You could probably do it because you used to do all those Sherlock things.
1: Ah, those letters. Sherlock.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I need to check out the poem and see what's what. Some...
1: It's a very, it's interesting very weird.
0: It is very weird and, in fact, belongs on this podcast for weird things. But I just, like... I'm I'm with you. I think it's bullshit.
1: Yeah it doesn't something's not adding up here
0: yeah right so wow I don't, I don't buy it Forrest. yeah he's just so like such an average dude to to like establish i don't know i just feel like you need to be like this like this like totally just strange bizarre larger than life with a character. lot of money with a lot of money to set up something like this. And I feel like Mr. Fenn is not that. And also, where are you getting gemstones, pal? Yeah. Where, if you're fucking trying to sell forgeries of Degas, where are you getting gemstones?
1: Why, like, you I can't don't... get your hands
0: on a painting, but you can fucking get your hand on some gemstones? I don't know. Something doesn't... Does not compute. Yeah, and we don't count
1: gemstones as the ones you can win at carnivals, alright?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Not, not the, like plastic costume jewelry ones I'm not buying it, Fen.
1: yeah, Fen. well, well uh, but let <laughs> us know, do you think
0: Fen's a liar? yeah, is Fen a liar? is Jack the Ripper, like ever going to be solved? probably not but let us know your thoughts yeah, send us an email or whatever and um yeah, until next time Stay strange.